Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now, here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. Today on the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Podcast, we're going to do things a little bit differently. This podcast focuses on in-demand jobs in Northeast Ohio, and we are bringing you a replay of a webinar we recently did with Team Neo, Ohio Wright, the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber, and Eastern Gateway Community College. So I know many of you don't have time to sit and listen to a webinar during the day, but I hope this format and delivering the webinar via this audio method, hope you'll find this beneficial. Because we are sharing insights and we do go behind the numbers as far as helping our kids and also adult learners prepare themselves for jobs of the future, if not current. So there are currently many, many career opportunities open in our market today. So this is a replay of a webinar to grab the data that is referenced. Uh, you can just find it on Team Neo webinar on businessjournaldaily.com. But it's actually a conversation, very conversational, so you really don't need to refer to the data to follow along. So thank you once again for joining us, and please let us know if you have any questions. Thank you for joining us on the webinar today. We are focused on aligning opportunities in Northeast Ohio, and the goal today is to get behind the numbers with Team Neo and Wright, the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber and Eastern Gateway Community College. I'm Jeff Herman, your host from the Business Journal. We are locally owned and operated by the Youngstown Publishing Company. And joining us today for the formal introductions, I will start with Jacob Duritsky. Jacob, could you please give us a quick overview of, of yourself and what your areas of focus are? Sure, Jacob Duritsky. Uh, I lead research and strategy for Team Neo, a regional economic development group. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Jacob. Dean, how about yourself? Please introduce yourself. Uh, Dean Trilling. I've been working with Wright for the last three years, and Wright is a Northeast Ohio leading IT workforce alliance. And um, I would just say, for more than forty years, based on the gray hair, I've spent my entire career in in IT as a CIO and a chief operating officer, big companies, startups, and the last particularly three years has been a passion of mine to help close the gap with, uh, between demand and supply in IT. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sarah, please introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, Sarah Boyarco. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber. Um, we are the lead economic development entity serving the two-county area of Mahoning and Trumbull, uh, where we concentrate on the retention and expansion of existing companies and the attraction of new investment to the market. And Mr. Daly. Um, Arthur Daly, uh, Senior Vice President of Eastern Gateway Community College, uh, where the 21st century workforce starts here at Eastern Gateway Community College. I would like to turn the presentation over to Jacob and Dean to set us up and talk about the future of in-demand jobs. And I know we have an IT flavor today, but we definitely want to localize it and speak specifically to opportunities that are here available in our broader Youngstown market. So gentlemen, uh, over to you. Uh, so as Jeff mentioned, uh, Dean and I are going to tag team this. <clears throat> this has certainly been a report um, that Team Neo and Wright have collaborated on really since its inception uh, back in 2016 and continues to get traction and continue to find new ways collectively to analyze um, not just a talent piece, but more specifically some of the IT talent related work and misalignment we're seeing um, briefly, uh, we talked about our organizations. Uh, I work for a group called Team Neo. Uh, Team Neo represents 18 counties in Northeast Ohio that Jeff talked about. Um, really five key strategies. Uh, we try to strengthen a better coordinated network. We try to advance technology adoption, think industry 4.0 related technologies, additive, um, IIoT. Um, we certainly try to grow a pipeline of competitive sites for a manufacturing base. Uh, we try to promote Team NEO and Northeast Ohio to the rest of the world. But then finally, uh, and one of the things that for the work we do, for the work Wright does, what Sarah does, um, is certainly so important to helping businesses out. We try to think about issues around talent alignment. And talent alignment has really been one of the drivers of our strategy over time. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today. The only thing I'd add is <laughs> for those familiar with the statewide economic development organization, Jobs Ohio, 
we do serve as the Jobs Ohio partner for the Northeast quadrant of the state. I'll pass it over to Dean. Thank you, Jacob. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, actually, since retiring from actually IBM after 12 years, I've been working with Wright GCP. Wright became part of GCP last year. And Wright's been working in the space for over 10 years now. I think we just had our 10th anniversary and as an IT Workforce Alliance with the objectives, frankly, in Northeast Ohio, across the region of, of mobilizing employers to be uh, leaders in addressing the, the, the challenge of closing the gap, um, working with a wide range of constituencies and alliances and organizations that are in the region um, to work together. And we've been thrilled with the, uh, the progress that's been made in getting a wide range of organizations to get closer together to be more efficient in how we approach and work with employers and address the core problem of, of building the talent pipeline which is at the core of making the region's economy, whether it's Youngstown or Akron or Cleveland or Toledo, um, you know, a, a prosperous, good place to be and, and to live. Um, so as I mentioned, 10 years in the space and been pleased to work with Team Neo for the last uh, few years at least in pulling together data. Um, and we've been a data-driven organization since inception to make sure that we don't just talk about things, but we actually measure, measure progress and say, are we really moving the dial? So, thanks. Thanks, Dean. And so with that said, what you'll see on the screen are two reports, Aligning Opportunities in Northeast Ohio, now in its fourth edition, as well as Misaligned Opportunities in Northeast Ohio, how racial inequities uh, are leading to skills gaps throughout Northeast Ohio, which is the newest report that we published uh, over the summer. We'll talk through at a high level um, what's informed these, why we think these matter, and some of the conversations that have led to the creation of both of these reports. And then certainly as we dive into the data, um, we'll dive uh, more specifically into some of those tech and IT related skills, not just of today, but of the future. So with that said, um, the chart you see here was actually the impetus for the original Aligning Opportunities study. Uh, back in 2015, the Cleveland Foundation, a philanthropic group out of Cleveland, uh, approached us based on a study that had come out of Georgetown and that study said that in Ohio by 2020, now 2025, 65% uh, of jobs would require some type of post-secondary credential to be competitive in the labor market. And they were curious how the region stacked up against that. Uh, and the reality is, although the United States and Ohio are short, so are we. Uh, only 34% of regional population has some post-secondary credential. Another 21% have started down a credentialing pathway, uh, but haven't finished, and 45% have been in no pathway whatsoever. So this was the impetus behind the original report that they funded, and we took it on in part because obviously we care about this from a talent perspective, but for a few other reasons as well. <clears throat> One of those was some of the demographic trends we were seeing throughout the 18-county region. Uh, population declined by a little over 155,000 since 2001. Drops in the labor force that rivaled those around 146,000 less people in the labor force today than were in 2001. So seeing declines in our ability to grow our way out of some of these economic challenges and these talent alignment related issues led us to say, okay, we need to think differently and more strategically with our partners about alignment inside the region and how we think about the assets and talent we have here and connecting those folks back to the labor market. So that was a part of it. Um, another part was recognizing that we have a robust set of colleges and universities throughout Northeast Ohio. The way we think about it, we have 25. Certainly, as you think through the lens of the greater Youngstown area, you obviously start to get into the Pittsburgh-related institutions as well, and can even think about those in a broader sense of the talent pool we have here. The reality is we only keep about 47% of our graduates here in any given year which isn't bad, it's comparable to a Chicago or a Boston. Those markets just happen to be much bigger than ours. Um, so how do we grow that retention rate over time? If we could grow to 57% annually, that alone would lead to 3,100 more people in the region. So those were two for us, sort of the population trends and demographic headwinds, uh, keeping more folks here after they leave college. And the third, which you'll see in misaligned opportunities was the equity issue, but we'll save that for in a few minutes. Um, but really, what all of the research led to is what has become known as the red-yellow-green chart in many ways, which is the crux of the report, um, which is demand-supply alignment in the region. 
And what it showed us over the past several years is that in three critical areas of the economy, IT, manufacturing, and healthcare, we're significantly under-credentialing folks here relative to demand. So just to walk you through a line item here before I pass it over to Dean, if you look at the top line, IT, computer and, uh, computer and IT workers rather, last year, 2019, there were 17,442 unique job postings. Those were unique postings from all of our companies throughout the region for entry-level jobs that require uh, three years or less of experience. The number was a little over 6,400 but we only awarded about 2,200 credentials. And those credentials could be a certificate, an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree. However you look at it, however, in one of the most critical areas and growing areas in the economy, we had a skills gap anywhere from 4,800 unfilled jobs to 15,000 unfilled jobs. Now, some of those would go filled through people who come from other places and outside the region. Um, but overall, what this says to us is that in those three areas of the economy, where we have a gap of 55,000 jobs alone, we can give people better information about how they can align with that opportunity. And I don't think there's a better place to start thinking about that than IT, which really cuts across all three of those sectors and a lot of our other sectors as well. And Jacob, yeah, I can focus in a bit on the IT piece. Um, you know, the one thing about IT is it's, it's, it's uh, pervasive across all sectors and industries. And it's the, the one, the, one example of it's not just in one particular area. And over the last several things, years in evaluating, collecting and evaluating the data, <clears throat> open, open positions, clearly the, the gap is huge. Um, even if some portion of that demand of postings is, um, the same argument, not real or stale postings or whatever, we all know, uh, myself and others, speaking others who work in the industry, that there's, um, whether it's exactly 17,442 or 15,000 or 19,000. It's a big number. And that we're clearly not generating enough uh, graduates. Um, even if we look at the last two years and say that there's more than like four or 5,000 people available who may not have gotten jobs yet uh, or, or in the pipeline. It's just, we're not creating enough. There's a huge demand. And that also means huge, huge opportunity, um, which we'll talk a little bit about, about later. But just a couple of things that I thought I'd point out, um, and people can take a look at some of the documentation that's available um, on Wright's uh, site as well as uh, Team Neo's site. But the, and none of this is a surprise to most of the IT executives and leaders in the region, but the top IT occupations, first of all, IT pays well. Even as a computer support specialist, which doesn't require a four-year, even often a two-year degree, it requires a lot of soft skills as well as some certifications. You, the pay is, you know, I think the median pay was around forty, forty to fifty thousand dollars. Even entry-level jobs are in the thirties. Um, but the top five occupations that we have found, and this is pretty consistent, continues to be software developers, network engineers, systems analysts, and those are the people who figure out how to build and configure the systems that we need to support the business. I mentioned computer support specialists um, and project managers, IT project managers, um, who really understand how to work with the business and, get, and, and um, bring together the technical aspects of IT as well as with the business. Um, the other thing I wanna point out that's behind these numbers, again, that are available in some of the reporting we have, is we have been collecting as well as recently this past year did a s survey with uh, re the regions uh, close region within cleveland akron etc i believe some youngstown um, wayne county and down uh, companies of where are they spending their money and um, no surprises but clearly the top investments and you know why would we look at that well that's telling us where the ball is going that's where you know, what are, what's the demand going to continue to be or change? Cybersecurity, data and IT security, business intelligence, uh, migration to cloud, um, data warehousing, marketing, social marketing and, and e-commerce, and particularly mobile, um, mobile applications, IoT, Internet of Things and sensors, um, as well as we've heard a lot about blockchain. There's not a lot going on with blockchain now, but within the next five years, there will be. And the survey of the employers that we have uh, gathered uh, indicated that there's a large 
lack of skills among the cybersecurity, the mobile applications, IoT, and, and at least all of these have a pretty good gap, if not a huge gap, which again means opportunity. Um, so there's, you know, and the skills um, are not changing too much in terms of what we know we've needed over the last several years. The applications um, are evolving, which, which makes it even in some cases harder to find people because there's even more competition for some of the more advanced uh, uh, investments in IT. But clearly, What's exciting is uh, continues to be big demand, and we've got to find a way to um, close that gap. Right. So, Dean, just a point of clarification: when we say IT jobs, uh, I saw reference to the fact that every company is an IT company. So, we're not talking pursuing a career at IBM or Cisco. We're actually, which are options, but we're all also speaking to the fact that mid-market and small businesses do have. IT needs and they do have to staff IT professionals uh, given the way that everything is moved virtual and data driven and a lot of systems to integrate. I mean, often people think of IT as IT companies like that, but the reality is every business, whether it's a small two or three, even a one person business, we have our desktop technology. We all depend on what we're using right here um, to the largest companies. Every company has an IT function. Some, the one or two person is very easy to deal with. You deal with it yourself. Although, as you can see, we often uh, have specific desktop needs to because we don't know enough all of the things we have to know. Um, but that's what makes IT such a, an interesting opportunity is every company is, and if they're going to compete and be competitive they're, uh, and grow, they're going to be dependent upon um, systems to help them operate, particularly data, to understand where their business is going and to improve and compete. So yeah, it's, it's the one thing, it's not healthcare, manufacturing, banking, um, it's construction, because every one of those, plus businesses that make and sell IT, have their own IT organizations. IBM, one of the, um, I won't say worst jobs, but challenging jobs at IBM is being the CIO for IBM. It's um, having to deal with, you know, 400,000 people who all think they know how you should be doing your job. So, um, yeah, great opportunities out there for any in IT across the broad range. Could I uh, also, oh, sorry, Jeff, I was just going to ask Dean, um, based on our discussion, um, I think one of the things people forget is how embedded IT is in manufacturing as well. And, you know, manufacturing the way we think of it still makes up directly and indirectly almost 40% of jobs in the region. Could you speak, Dean, a little bit to the impact of IT and tech on manufacturing? Absolutely. Um, and it's, if you think, of, you know, how's a manufacturer working? Um, some manufacturing doesn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, the large numbers of customers like we typically don't have a large number of customers like retail or consumer products or Amazon, but they're making things and they have to, uh, they have an, a critical supply chain. They have to source products. They have to make sure it's right. They got to get it in, make it. They have to find customers, sell, you know, and, and uh, ship and deliver, provide customer service. So manufacturing, you know, has, you know, we dealt with for years in the seven through the nineties, on transactional systems of making sure we got the orders in, we processed them right. Uh, we focused a lot on shop floor control and getting the shop floor um, operationally um, excellence. And um, we collected a lot of data around the shop floor and the machines and people and see how efficient we were and how much more efficient we could be um, and make sure we knew where the orders were so we could meet delivery times. What's evolved now, the exciting part, I think uh, Jacob, you're referring, uh, alluding to also, is the tech, you know, Internet of Things sensors have made it a lot easier to collect vast amounts of data. Machines, visually, audio, um, security, all kinds of things that let us capture that data, which is then has to be processed and is input to um, the quality of our products, how well we're delivering, uh, delivering things. So, it's manufacturing, it's not just bending metal, it's um, leveraging information technology from everything from you know, financial reports through, uh, again, that is that machine ready to break or not? 
Right. So that these are, um, this is great, uh, deeper insight into these numbers. And so Sarah, you work with and speak to companies in this region every single day. Uh, can you share any perspectives you have on their need for IT professionals? And then I want Art to follow on to Sarah's comments by speaking to the, the demand he's seeing and, and what, uh, what Eastern Gateway is doing to possibly support uh, filling those gaps. So Sarah, would you care to comment on companies in the region, what you're seeing? Sure. So, um, you know, as, as we're out working on a daily basis with companies, whether it's a new company looking at our market and us having to, you know, sort of tell the workforce story here in our market um, based on their specific needs, um, or a company that's already here and growing. Um, every one of us certainly knows uh, all the folks on the call as well as those listeners today. If a company cannot find the most appropriate workforce, obviously they have don't have a very good chance of growing um, or being retained in the market. So it definitely is top of mind for employers. Um, during our visits, you know we can we can uh, generate a pretty significant amount of business intelligence around workforce which we then are able to take to um, our education partners on a local level. You know, Art probably uh, gets tired of the phone ringing all the time when I'm reaching out to him. Um, whether that's Eastern Gateway or YSU or Kent Trumbull, uh, the career centers, um, we are, there's a constant engagement of company A needs um, a specific program or there needs to be something created or slightly changed. So. Our educators in the market do a really nice job of customizing things for the business community. Um, they can come in the office uh, or in their facility and help out um, as well as send students to their locations. I think when it comes to what businesses are needing currently, we're seeing a little bit of a slow increase. Um, you know, Dean talked a little bit about IT as it relates to manufacturing. A little bit of a, a constant increase or constant flow and an upward motion that more companies are requiring um, certificates, associates degrees, and I can tell you right now that with the projects that we're currently managing, um, collectively there's uh, nearly 3,000 uh, employment opportunities that are pending. We're not quite sure, you know, when these projects will close, um, and that's not including the things we're already aware of when it comes to um, Altium's in ongoing investment, Lordstown Motors. These are new opportunities. Um, Probably, you know, safe to say a little bit more than 80% of all of those employment opportunities fall in that area. So they're going to need a certificate or um, some sort, sort of uh, trade or skilled training. Um, naturally, the remainder is going to be on the administrative side when it comes to specific IT roles and having someone in that uh, facility to oversee all of their technical needs, but also um, uh, possibly it might be management in addition to anyone on the administrative level or the executive level. So it's been that way for quite some time. And, and it, like I mentioned, does have a constant flow toward the certificate and associate degree levels, at least right now, what we're seeing. Um, I can, you know, agree with some of the numbers that Jacob presented when it comes to available and open positions in our market. We typically fluctuate anywhere from 10 to 13,000 openings in the three counties um, of Mahoning, Trumbull, and Columbiana. And that is, you know, a broad swath of opportunity. So it's entry level um, all the way to, you know, the highest level of education necessary, uh, whether that's a PhD, legal, and whatnot. So um, there are, you know, openings that does fluctuate uh, throughout the year, depending upon seasonal work, um, you know, new opportunities as they're generated in the market, and then that, you know, constant turnover in some positions too. But um, we're definitely seeing the, the high demand for certificates and associate degrees. You're on mute, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but, that, but that does, it follows right into, uh, you know, what, what we all label the career pathway. And I think what's important is, you know, we have to start students younger, if we're going to fill these gaps as we go forward, there's, there's two levels of looking at this. One is getting students more engaged in the high school level, um, you know, focusing in on the, tr the idea that there are in-demand fields that you can follow into. Uh, we, need, we do a lot of partnerships with our local high schools. Uh, we have a very large College Credit Plus presence in a lot of the high schools. And I think it starts there. Um, and then, then we talked about adult ed as well. So how do we retool those folks? 
you know, again, developing a career pathway. I think a lot of people uh, in our region don't even know about the companies that exist that are doing those hiring and, and how do they get to those companies and how do they have the right skill set. So, you know, we developed the career pathways at Eastern Gateway Community College. Um, getting our technical credentialing going, building that pathway to an associates and bachelors and beyond. Um, you know, we do a lot of IT networking. We, we retooled our cybersecurity program, our data science. We have IT help desk. We do a Google IT certificate because we know a lot of those credentialings have to happen for those individuals to get those that, that first step in the door and then build their career path that, past that. And that's to me where we, I think we have the biggest gap is we don't start early enough. If we're gonna buck this trend of not having enough students involved or enough uh, workforce involved, we've gotta start early. And now is the time to really get into those younger grades. And we, we, we talk about sixth and seventh grade, maybe even earlier, building a mindset of a career. Um, you know, I know a lot of high schools and schools are focused on certain things and test results, but we have to start building career mindsets at a very young age and value the educational process. And as we move forward, like we do at Eastern Gateway, um, you know, we're looking at, at digital badging where you get certain IT programs underneath your belt and then they be presented to a, to an employer as a specific uh, skill set. Um, but we know credentialing is huge. And, and Sarah mentioned it, Jacob and Dean both talked about having the skills necessary to, to fill these gaps. Um, so that's a lot of things that we're doing at Eastern Gateway. And again, I know our adult ed folks are doing that. Our technical centers are doing that. YSU, Kent State, Akron. We're all leading the charge, but we need more of those people, right? So how are we going to get more of those people? We have to retract more of the younger people into these industries and show them the pathway. Um, that's right. the most important yeah. thing. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank the headlining members of the coalition, including Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Moransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Also included are Farmers Bank Group, Youngstown State University, Eastern Gateway Community College, the DeBartolo Corporation, Cortland Bank, MS Consultants, and 898 Marketing. So the question, I guess, this, to the panel, uh, is this a, do we have the headcount that we just need to upskill and then retain? Or are we going to be seeing a net inflow of, say, population? Do we not even have the headcount from a volumetric standpoint available to upscale? What do you guys think about that? So I, I think that we do have the headcount. I think it is a matter of educating folks on where the opportunities are, um, and, you know, there's a lot of us in the market doing that, um, uh, you know, making sure that we're doing all that we can to keep our young folks here. And, you know, Art mentioned it uh, as a very good point. If the students aren't aware as they're looking to make those decisions on what their career pathway might look like or might be, if they're not aware of what the in-demand jobs are, I mean, it's, it is a matching of if you're getting an education, are there actually employment opportunities in that area? Um, it, the in-demand job list is something I would have loved to have had as a young person and being able to look at what all of that means for uh, the required skills, the pay scale, where those jobs might be. I know that, you know, somewhat changes, but these numbers are a little bit more long-term for individuals to make a decision. Um, you know, naturally, there will always be a small amount of influx of population. Um, I don't think we can rely on one or the other, but a nice mix is is really the only way we're going to get to the solution. Dean, it sounds like you have a point to make, but even elaborate on this point, you know, IT, you, the perception is headphones on, cranking, coding, but I heard the word design. And so some creative people that think they're, you know, from a, you know, very creative and don't want to be limited what they think in a box of what technical, I, you know, information technology means. There are design opportunities here for those that are more what I would call artistic because that's the kind of thinking that's required these days. Right since its beginning has actually focused on that interest awareness um, objective, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly in the high schools. And we're talking about expanding out to adult learners, but even going younger. I mean, I know I wanted to be a doctor until I was 11 and found out that it involved blood, um, which changed my career path. But actually I was exposed to computers at the age of uh, 
10 or 11, um, which back then was very primitive. But I got this bug in my head. And that's what Wright and others have been doing, particularly Wright's focused on these high school programs. We have passports, IT, career connections, and I don't mean it too much of a commercial, but the point is, I agree, Sarah and Art, I think there's two parts. We do have a ready population that is, that we need to address, that we can talk, we'll talk about a little bit, that is uh, underemployed, underserved, that we can build up skills and we don't have to go too far into the region. We just, there's a lot of people out there to, if we can get them trained and get them experience and get them opportunities, we'll get jobs and hopefully they, you know, they, they will thrive in that. But also if you don't fill the funnel, if we don't get more kids interested in understanding what IT really is, it's not a bunch of people sitting there in hoodies coding. There plenty of those that love to do it, but um, there's graphic design and website design, all those things. If I could take one second and give one example, we were doing a couple of years ago in my first passports to IT, we had all these companies, about 15 companies with booths to talk about what they did. And the high school students were supposed to rotate through. And I had this uh, small group of five guys from some local high school, it's ninth through 12th. And I think they were 10th, 11th graders. And they, one of the guys stopped me and said to me, where's the um, augmented realities? He said, where's the AR stuff? Where's the augmented reality stuff? And I pointed over to the Eaton booth. And they said, ah, oh, they just make stuff. And I said, come over here. <clears throat> 20 minutes with them and they walked away. And they said, oh my God, I had no idea that I could actually do augmented reality at a company like Eaton. So it's getting kids... Plus the programs that we have, it's called RSVP, but it's site visits to see and come to companies. It's hard today because of COVID, but the more we can do to get students at the youngest of ages to see this is exciting stuff because everybody's got a phone, everybody's got technology somewhere, but get them excited about it. And then we've got to retain them, but it's really the earlier we start, the better we're going to do. Jeff, could I add one more nuance to that too, which is, you know, part of our part of our misaligned opportunity study that looked at the equity issues uh, speaks to that point that we do have the people here. They're just not aligned with the careers. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, if you look at credentials by degree type last year, 2019, uh, only 5% of all IT credentials went to African Americans in the region. African-Americans make up 14% of the regional population. So we're not seeing a proportionate share of people here getting those degrees. If you look at 19 of the top 20 occupations, highest paying, most technologically driven throughout Northeast Ohio were underrepresented by their fair share of communities of color. So I think there is a big component of this that could be potentially solved through you know, diversity, inclusion, and equity strategies as well. Right. That's, that's actually, that was a significant part of your second study. Is that correct? That's correct. No, that was, that really was the key to the second study was uh, if we can figure out how to better connect uh, particularly communities of color to some of these in-demand areas of the uh, economy, we think that alone could facilitate a 20 to 30% closure of the gap in jobs. So, you know, it's, as Sarah alluded to, it's a multi-pronged strategy. You need people coming, you need people retrained, you need people think differently about jobs and young people think differently about jobs, but it certainly could be a key component to, to any strategy in the region that's gonna take this on long-term. Right, and Art, could you speak to, um, the, the, you mentioned adult learners, right? So, so we're obviously a big emphasis on students and obviously a big emphasis on middle school, uh, catching students, catching their fascination and their imagination around careers in technology or healthcare or manufacturing uh, across the board. But what do you see from this notion of uh, educational commitments? And we've had the conversation about stacking certifications. And so are there opportunities to say maybe a, a, an adult that has had a retail driven occupation to shift into a technology field or a manufacturing or even nursing. Could you speak to that, please? So I also think that, that there's, and there's a, people are kind of, when they're in their bone bubble, they get scared, right? The change is what scares everybody. I'm comfortable. I know what this is. How do I make that shift? So, so that's kind of where we try to make sure that adult learners 
understand that this shift, of, uh, and there's a balance in their lives. I'm working, maybe I have kids, um, I've been to school before, it hasn't worked out for me. You have to make sure that all the things, those barriers that they're gonna hit that you have a smooth transition into. And I think one of the most important things is um, when we have adult learners come back, the majority of our students to come to our community college are adult learners, that when they come here, we understand what their barriers are. We understand and we lay the path out. We lay the grid out, so to speak, on this is what you're going to learn. This is when you're going to learn it. Um, it's structured. It's again, it's a pathway. Um, and that's important for a lot of people because they can, the disruptions that have happened with COVID alone have, have changed the dynamics of how people look at school. Um, a lot of remote learners now, I think all institutions have shifted to uh, a good percentage of remote learning. Um, we're 100% we're right now, except with our medical labs, we're 100% online learning right now. Um, but I think that's the, that's the thing that you have to convince adult learners to say, when you come back, it's not gonna be a challenge for you to do this. We're gonna overcome those barriers of what you're going to have and make sure that when they enter the enter school, that anything that they run up against, that they're gonna be okay and, and show them the end result. Our career development team does that with our students. Our student activity folks do that. All, all it takes an ecosystem, right? Let's go back to a word ecosystem. It takes everyone to make sure that someone's successful. And I think that's the most important thing that we talk about uh, with all of these folks that are out there that may be underserved population. We deal a lot with that in the Youngstown market. We try to get those students out of or those, those um, students' populations out of their comfort zone. And that's a hard thing sometimes because they're very, I, I don't like change. Well, once that change occurs and they start seeing successes, then they start getting motivated and they start really driving forward. And I think that's what we have to do with all of our, all of our fields that are in demand right now. IT especially, people, hey, they understand that, that uh, to, to Dean's point, I'm sitting behind a desk and I'm just typing on a computer all day. Well, it's not really that. There's creative ways of doing things. You take on management roles and IT project management. So again, you have to show people pathways. You have to show them this is what you can be or become, and this is how we're going to help you get there. And I think uh, like the team Neo and, and Wright and the Chamber and everybody together collectively are going to move this needle forward. The more we focus on it, we're going to see some great results, I believe, but it's going to take all of us to make that happen. Right. Uh, Dean, have you seen, so to Art's point, A, it's about managing change and getting people comfortable with the change and, and disruption. Uh, potentially in showing pathways, what have you seen the most effective? Is it, uh, you know, a case study? Here's individual A that changed their life, that pursued career X that is now doing something, or is there documentation? Like, what's the best way to, um, you know, used to be you're on your own to pursue your educational pursuits, and you'd have to kind of bounce around fi figuring things out, what you're interested in, but are there better programs or ways to illustrate what's possible that you're aware of? I'm sure there's those who actually know a lot more about it than I do, but one of the <clears throat> initiatives and things we've, I think all of us have been doing is working hard and, and one of the things Wright has been pulling together and um, has, on, has on the site now and will be expanding, you know, access to uh, where are the programs, where are the educational programs, who's giving certifications, not just where are the jobs, but how do I get how do I get exposed um, to these kinds of things? How can I get an internship? How can I get a site visit? Um, of course, people have to have access to that information, and they have to be told. It's just no different from retail, which is frankly my background. You can't just expect customers to come to you. You've got to get out there. In my opinion, I think we would all agree, and that's what we're talking about: getting out there to the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, all the way through adult learners, and telling them. This is, this is available, come, and, and employers too are making, I think, a lot of investments, and we need to do more to get in front of the potential candidates and not just wait for them to come to us. Um, you know, working with the universities and the colleges and the two-year institutions and the certification institutions and helping, you know, inviting people into their organizations to say, come spend a day in my, in my organization, come, you know, a day in the life of a, of a computer, of a programmer, which some, you know, at least 
they only know what they know. So it's, I think those are the ways to get people more aware of it. There's tool, the tools are there. Um, and we've got to continue to drive that trajectory up of how we get in front of people and, and attract them. And it's a constant communication. And so we're, we're speaking to future job candidates, but uh, Sarah, to, to the point of companies, are there programs that the, even companies say mid-market to small businesses that probably know they have a need to adopt more of a technology-driven, <clears throat> cloud-based, scalable approach? Do you think there are also programs at the company level that can set them up to pull through this talent? Uh, I do agree with your statement. Yes, there are opportunities or resources. You know, Art talked about the fear of change. And if you've got a process working in a company that has gleaned re good results, sometimes it's a little bit of a longer term, somewhat challenging process to um, move a little bit more to the technical side of things with their processes. So that's something that um, companies go through every day and do that alongside right correct partners like Magnet and others in the, in the community that have some resources to help them. Um, I think on the program side of things, there are a whole myriad of resources that companies can utilize um, for reimbursable grants and or other funding that can help them upskill um, the employment uh, base that they already have and look at new opportunities. So, you know, we've got the tech cred program from the state of Ohio. We've got um, Ohio means jobs that has on the job training. Um, all of those things, I think, again, are moving in the right direction. And I think, you know, collectively, it's our responsibility to make sure the companies are aware of those things. You know, we, we look at sometimes thinking, well, they're already in our market, they should know. Well, they don't because they're busy running their business. They're busy making things. They're busy distributing things. It's our role to make sure that they've got those resources in hand. Um, you know, we had this conversation earlier today with a company that we're looking to bring to the market and workforces at the top of the list. So we need to make sure that we can tell an accurate um, story of who is educating folks within their need, who's already available maybe in the market with that skill, and do we have the human capital to do some upskilling if necessary and making sure they've got the resources because there isn't typically a um, a full on solution or a win day one with with uh, workforce or accessing the appropriate workforce, but taking the necessary steps to get there. But there absolutely are resources for the business community. Excellent. Well, thank you. So we are about to concluding the uh, content portion of this webinar. And I will, we have uh, another couple of questions here that have come in. Uh, I will ask everyone for their closing comments and, and from there, from a resources standpoint, once again, how can we find the resources to Art's point? It's about pathways. First, get into the change mindset and then second, give people a pathway. So Jacob, I'd like to start with you. Uh, any closing remarks and comments and, and uh, would like to ask everyone just to kind of tackle this question as, uh, as they're giving the closing comments. The pandemic, has it been a huge setback or actually has it been an accelerator of change? Has a, a small opportunity been created that's forced us to move into a certain direction? So I'll, I'll go around Jacob, then Dean, then Art, then Sarah. Please start, Jacob. Yeah, no, the great question. Um, so when we had our rollout for the Aligning Opportunities Report about four weeks ago, one of the keynote speakers uh, was Joe Fuller, who's a professor at Harvard and has written a lot about the future of work. One of the comments that he made was that the skills trends that we thought could take five to 10 years to change have accelerated in six months, not in every instance, but in certain instances with working remotely with different ways of getting work done with, with these types of interactions right that we're doing here today. So I absolutely think COVID has accelerated it, but I also think uh, it means doubling down on those things that we do best here manufacturing IT healthcare they aren't going away as the drivers of the economy over time. So I would say to the folks listening today, um, know that you have a system in place that is here to help, whether it's regionally through a Team NEO, whether it's in the Youngstown uh, Warren area through Sarah and the great work that they do, whether it's through our huge network of, of community colleges and four-year institutions, or uh, groups like Wright who are helping to drive the future of IT here in the region. If you need more information, you know, we're happy to point you to it. And if you'd like the reports, uh, teamneo.org is where you can find those. So thanks for the time. Commenting on uh, COVID particularly, we have now, and speaking of a wide range of companies, interestingly, and maybe not surprisingly, a number of the 
the roles, particularly security, network engineering, et cetera, desktop support, um, at, the, at the very least stable, if not growing, because of the obvious, uh, suddenly sending everybody home. Not everybody is like IBM or Cisco or SAP, but people who are used to working from home and being on the road, let's say. Um, but particularly in security, it's become a bigger uh, demand. An interesting observation, something I have no absolute data on, so I call it a non-scientific comment. But what it's, one of the risks we're running, something to be aware of, is people in our region, we don't have enough, we've talked before, we don't have enough people to fill um, the demand. And we, though we do have a very large available population who's just die, hopefully dying to be trained and get those jobs, there's a working at home, the acceptance of working at home by many companies. And by the way, again, I hope we don't go fully remote because I think the interpersonal interaction is critical. But companies who would never have let their people work from home before now are, which adds some competition. Now I can sit in Cleveland and work for a company in California or anywhere else. So now the companies here in Northeast Ohio, um, they're not only competing among themselves, but they're potentially competing with the rest of the world for those talents and skills, particularly the, the scarce ones. Um, it just makes their job a little harder, but the good news is they, they, need, they need that stuff. So I think COVID has done that. Great. And would you like to share your resources uh, where people can go to find more details or data, Dean? Uh, go to ohioright.org. Org. <laughs> I hesitate there for a second. Um, and uh, just, or Google uh, Write, Ohio Write, and you'll find the link. And there's a number of links, uh, pull down options in there to get some data as well as a wider variety of uh, resources. Great. Thank you. Your insights on the industry have been very, very uh, appreciated. Thanks, Dean. All right, go ahead, please. Well, I'd love to piggyback off of what Dean said. Um, I, I think it creates a tremendous amount of opportunity for, for our students now or our, our learners now. Um, the opening up of the landscape of a global setting that I could be sitting here and doing my work for a company that may be halfway across the world, I think it's created a lot of opportunity. I think um, I, I'm very excited about the change. It has accelerated everything. There's no doubt change is what everybody's uncomfortable with. We've seen that in the past six, seven months. Um, but it, it's an exciting time because we see that new opportunities are being created. Companies can take and leverage this to their advantage. They now have access to a talent that may be across the, the, the country uh, and be able to fill their skill uh, gap that they have. So I, I, I think it's very exciting for Northeast Ohio and our region, uh, our corridor being all the way down from Cleveland through Youngstown to Pittsburgh. I think this is a wonderful opportunity for all of us to take advantage of the new way that we're, that we're working. I agree with Dean. I hope it doesn't remain full time. Uh, I hope we can do some type of hybrid. I think hybrid is the big key word today. Some some work at home. Sometimes you come into the office. I think uh, you know, people will remain productive that way. But I think it's an opportunity for us to take advantage of getting more talented individuals into our pipeline in Northeast Ohio. So I'm, I'm looking at this as an exciting time. Thanks, Art. Sarah. And for us, if any information you like at Eastern Gateway Community College, egcc.edu. Okay. Thank you. So, um, I think everyone probably already covered a good portion of um, the opportunity and the now what we have as a remote experience for employment and the competition. I think with all of the change that each and every one of us and all the listeners out there faced um, came opportunity. So uh, we've got, you know, manufacturers creating new products and, um, you know, there's a there's a little bit of a, a downside and an upside upside to every situation. So definitely opportunity born out of a challenging situation, and I foresee that continuing to go in a positive direction. Um, I think you know the last thing I'd leave you with is a little bit what Jacob said. There is a system of solutions in place and a system of educators, economic development professionals, training funds uh, that are um, providing resources around supporting businesses to secure the most appropriate workforce that they need in order for them to grow. So uh, use that system. Obviously everyone on the call today is part of that system. And if you need a little bit more information, um, you can certainly reach out to me directly or go to regionalchamber.com. Excellent. Well, uh, I'd like to thank 
everyone that has attended today, both on Zoom and Facebook Live and, and our panelists, Jacob, Dean, Art, and Sarah, thank you so much for your time today and your insights. Clearly, uh, this is, we're just getting started, right? So part of our strategy here as we move forward and, and move beyond this, you know, in a post-pandemic world is really this notion of creating first changing mindsets, right? And that's, that's my big key takeaway. I really didn't think about but change management and really getting people out of status quo mode into considering new options and alternatives mode. That's a big key takeaway. And then, uh, then obviously the pathways and really spelling it out and, and making, just making sure there's clarity on options that are available and who's, who can help and what resources are there available to help. So with that, I will conclude this webinar. Uh, this webinar will be posted on its entirety at businessjournaldaily.com. We thank you all for joining us today. This is part of our Brain Gain series where we are promoting a culture of entrepreneurship and workforce development and really making sure that we are in, in it for the long haul as we transform and grow our economy. So thank you all for joining us today. And with that, uh, I wish you all a great rest of your day. Thank you. Before we go, I'd like to thank members of the Brain Gain Coalition, especially our great sponsors. Without them, none of this would be possible. So a big thank you goes to Sweeney, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, the Moransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Thanks so much for their support. And also, please follow, like, and subscribe to this series on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, just go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn, one of my favorite places. You can find me over there at Jeff Leo Herman and send me a message. I will see you next time. I'm growing up in this life and to the human that I need to be. I know that I am not alone. I'm brave. I got what it takes.